Good morning. Um, glad to have you here this morning. Hopefully you, you made up in some way, shape, or form for some sleep that you missed, missed for that hour. Uh, but if you didn't, uh, don't worry, it'll catch up with you. And you should be able to get some sleep at some point in time to catch up. Amen. I don't really know if the catch up is the word because I don't know how you can catch up. But anyway, but uh, glad to have you here with us and to worship. Uh, Pastor Virginia's on assignment today, and she's uh, preaching at Impact, so I'm going to be running over there uh, after our service. And so um, she's out today, so we'll just thank God for Kia, and uh, also Crystal, holding it down. They, they, they're holding it down, and our band, a great, great backup team for them. Give it a, give it a hand for the band. And uh, team, teams, are, teams are very important because, uh, and, I, and I'll just tell you that, that we're, we're, we're a church that I believe we're, we are a people who are sent to go. And meaning that while we're feeding and equipping, um, the reason why you need to be fed and equipped and discipled is because God not tells you to stay, he tells you to go. He tells you to go. He said, go out into the world and preach the gospel. So we, we, we are people who love to stay. We like to stay. But you need to go. Some places, some places God's going to send you. Right? You don't just go on your own, but, you, but you're sent out. Um, and so as we're sent out, we want to obey the call to go. And um, we want to make sure that we're covered when we go. Because we're going to be going a lot more. Tell your neighbor, the bishop and Pastor Virginia are going to be gone a lot more. You don't sound like you believe it, but I'm going to be gone a lot more. I'm telling you up front, I'm going to be gone a lot more um, because there's a more demand on us. There's more of, of something that God wants to do for the kingdom. So as we're, we're traveling a little bit more this year, um, we've been asked to go into different areas to, from the Caribbean to Africa. Uh, we're going to be going, uh, of course, to Compassion Church. Uh, we'll be in uh, California at the end of the month. So we're, we're going to be traveling and doing ministry. And uh, I love you dearly. I love you dearly. But I have to do what God told me to do. I have to do what God told me to do. And you have to do what God tells you to do. Everybody's not going to be called to go here and there. But as you're on a team, you're you're necessary, you're needed, because when we go, someone has to come in and step up. Very low volume there. Somebody got to go and step up. And you have that going on in your jobs, don't you? You have people that are out in your job, and some people are gone, some people are vacation, some people are sick. Imagine how many businesses have been affected by people um, who can't come because they're quarantined. They're out for 14 days plus, and they can't, they can't go to work, and, and they play a major role in business. And so those people have to step up and do that work. They have to step up somehow and be able to, to make it happen. So as we're starting to go, um, you just rest assured we're not going to leave you comfortless, but we're going to leave you. <laughs> right? You're going to have somebody here that's going to preach the word. You're going to have somebody here to lead worship. And, um, and just let you know that um, God is calling us for something bigger than what we have now. Amen. Amen. So good to, good to have you with us. Uh, I have a word for you um, that I want to share with you. Um, it's kind of awkward that I, that I share in this mirror because I don't usually preach this type, this kind of style. Um, I like 
to preach something that is very simple, very simple that you can kind of just, as, a, as they say, you know, if you're, if you're playing baseball, um, how many of you know is the difference between a person pitching you a fastball and someone pitching you underhanded? So, so, you know, the underhanded pitcher wants you to actually hit the ball. When I play ball with my kids, I wanted them to hit the ball, so I throw the ball underhanded. I didn't throw the fastball. So um, we're, we're going to share words. So before I do, if you have children between the ages of 2 and 10, please allow them to go to Children's Church. Um, and so as they're going to Children's Church, I, I'm going to just share a word with you, and um, I'm going to share from selected scriptures. Uh, so it'll be a lot of scripture references for you. Um, but I want to just share something as we're talking about this, this season of prayer. How many, how many of you are really grateful for the 40 days of prayer? Right? The 40 days of prayer. I'm telling you that there was some very strategic things that have happened in these last several days that I'm so glad I am on the 40 days of prayer. I think I would have messed up a whole lot of stuff if I wasn't on these 40 days of prayer. A whole lot of things happening, a whole lot of different issues with people happening, a whole lot of different situations happening even in these, these days. So, so I, I want to encourage you um, to continue praying even after the 40 days have stopped. Develop a habit of prayer. Develop a habit of seeking God. Develop a habit of praying with people. Develop a habit of going to prayer meetings. Oh, the prayer they got really low. Develop a habit of, of, of coming together with people to pray, praying with your spouse, praying with your kids. Uh, it's, it's an awesome thing when we know that God responds to prayer. Okay. So I want to share some selected scriptures with you. And I, 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 the Lord began to deal with me, um, and I began to start praying about what I should share with God in prayer. And, of course, a lot of things come to mind when you're talking about prayer, uh, from postures in prayer all the way to learning how to actually petition God in prayer, spiritual warfare prayer. There's a whole bunch of ways to pray. I learned uh, how to pray in different facets through many different leaders, my parents included, uh, from tabernacle prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard of tabernacle prayer before, um, to praying, um, actually a prayer of agreement. So my wife and I, we pray prayers of agreement with each other in different facets of prayer. In the scriptures, there are all different facets of prayer that you should learn how to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. No, you learned that when you were a child. But, but how many know you got to grow up in prayer too? You got to grow up in prayer too, you know? Amen? You know, you got to pray. It's great that you can say grace, but there's, there's, there's a little bit more than that when it comes to prayer. So, so we want to be Students of the, of the word, but also students of prayer. Um, the, the disciples asked Jesus, and it said, Lord, teach us how to pray. I believe, they, I believe the reason why they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray is because he got answers to prayer. He got answers to prayer. Uh, there, there's no sense in praying if you don't get answers. Right. The, the, the whole scope of it is that you want God to answer. You want God to talk. He's a talking God. He talks to us. But I want to share with you on the subject today, troubleshoot, troubleshooting unanswered prayer. Troubleshooting unanswered prayer. Um, when you deal with troubleshooting and, and I and, and by by profession, 
prior to pastoring that was in engineering. Um, and there were things that would happen on the manufacturing floor. We started to manufacture printed circuit boards and developing missiles and all those kind of things that there, there were things that would go wrong that we had to troubleshoot. Troubleshooting is simply this, that you're, you're trying to figure out and identify a problem so that you can fix it. You're, you're trying to identify, well, well, why did it fail? Why is it not working? Why is it not functioning? If we put all of these plans together and we have calculated and we have strategized and we have gone through the process, why didn't it work? And so rather than saying, well, it just didn't work, they would actually go through a process of troubleshooting. Now, troubleshooting can be painstaking because you have to investigate. You may have to spend a lot of time. It may cost you money to even find out why something failed. Often when it comes to prayer, when we think about prayer, and prayers are not being answered, we kind of chalk it up to this. Well, God does mysterious things and his wonders to perform. We chalk it up to, oh, well, I guess that wasn't for me. And we just kind of go along saying, well, you know, we, we never even inquire why prayer wasn't answered. Now, I will say this. Prayer is mysterious because I don't know actually how it all works myself. Not only that, there are some things that God will do in spite of my prayer. Aren't you glad that happens? In spite of us, that God will do things in spite of us. But there are things in the scriptures that are laid and written very plainly of why prayers are not answered. And I want to share those things with you today. So I'm going to do through a quick laundry list. All right. And then we're going to share share a, a last and final point. So it's going to be a very quick laundry, laundry list. It's like 18 things. So I can't go too deep into it. I just want to just share some things with you. OK. So so the first thing is, uh, Alex, we're going to kind of go through this. Uh, the first thing is that unanswered prayer happens when we refuse to hear truth. Refuse to hear truth. If anyone, the, the proverb says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. If you turn a deaf ear to God, my, my prayers will not be heard. I have to learn how, I have to, learn how to hear truth. Um, truth that not only comes from God, but truth that comes to other people. Oh, people saying, I get to get out of here now. No, we got 17 to go. It's okay. We'll we'll, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. The Message Bible in uh, Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, God has no use for the prayers of people who won't listen to him. I have to listen to God. If I don't listen to him, he's not going to answer prayer. Secondly, spiritual warfare is a reason for unanswered prayer. There are times when you're praying that you will encounter spiritual, demonic warfare. Yeah. Do, do, do you understand what I'm talking Has anybody ever ha- had that happen? You, you, there's, there's, a, there's a demonic presence that's hindering the answer to prayer. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 14, you can read the passage on your own, but Daniel's praying, he's praying like 21 days. 
He's praying. And he's praying because he knows that something is going to happen because the prophetic word is ready to come to pass. Do you realize that when Apostle Chandler comes and prophesies over you and you start to pray according to the prophetic word, the demonic presence is going to come to stop and hinder everything that he can to stop you from getting the answer to prayer? That's why, he, that's why Timothy was told that you need to war with your prophecies. So Daniel is praying, and the Lord says to him, says, look, I, you know, from the day you prayed, I heard you. But there was a principality, there was a principality that was actually stopping the prayer from coming. So I had to release Michael the archangel. Anytime you see Michael the archangel released in scripture, he's not there to bring good tidings. He's a warring angel. And he came to bring warfare so that the prayer could break through. That many of us are, are engaged in spiritual warfare when you pray. And that's why prayers are hindered. So you have to pray through. Tell your neighbor, pray through. You got to pray through. You got to continue praying because you got to overcome. You got to learn how to overcome the presence of the evil one that tries to stop you from getting an answer to prayer. The third thing is weakness. Your weakness. Your weakness. Uh, remember the disciples as they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Lord said, can you not tarry, for, tarry with me for one hour? I'm ready to go to the cross. Can you come aside? Let's go and let's pray one hour. And so Jesus separates himself and he prays and the disciples are supposed to be praying too. He comes back and what they doing? They are sleeping. How many of y'all fall asleep in prayer? Never? Somewhere along the line you fall asleep in prayer. Maybe your eyes are open but you're still sleeping. <laughs> Amen. 6 to 6.30 in conference call prayer, sleeping. I'll listen to the prayer. So they're sleeping, and Jesus comes out and says, you know, hey, um, hey guys, we're supposed to be praying. They fell asleep. And, he meant, and they meant well. And so he says, okay, wake up. We, we, we're in dangerous times. We've got to pray. He goes back and starts praying. They come back, and they're sleeping again. He says, you know what? Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. The reason why we don't always get answers to prayer because we have weaknesses. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, uh, he talks about the Holy Spirit. This is Paul's writing. He talks about the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God knows where we are weak. It knows our weaknesses. But the Holy Spirit is there to actually advocate for us, to pray, to help us, to strengthen us so that we can pray through. So when we're praying without the aid of the Holy Spirit, without the aid of the Holy Spirit, we we are going to succumb to the weakness of our flesh, the weaknesses of our mind, the weaknesses that go on in our our very uh, bodies that will succumb to weakness and we won't get an answer to prayer because we won't pray. So the Holy Spirit, here's what I do. When, when I'm, I'm feeling tired, I pray in the Spirit. Now, that's a whole different subject. That's a whole different subject. Because when you start praying in the Spirit, you bypass. You start to bypass how you feel and what you think. You start to, that's why praying in spiritual languages is important to the believer. Now, I know in Pentecostal churches we shine away from that. But I ain't shying away from it because I understand what it does. 
and it bypasses the way I feel so that when I am tired like today, I can pray in the Holy Ghost. And as Jude said, that you build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit so that what happens is, although my flesh is tied, yet spiritually I'm building an edifice. You don't understand what I'm talking about. I wish I had a Holy Ghost church this morning. See, if you're going to be a Holy Ghost person and a spirit-filled person, you have to understand that the aid and work of the Holy Spirit is to get you into the presence of God to pray until heaven comes down. Until heaven comes down. And you might be feeling the weakest when it comes to your physical strength, but guess what? You can be powerful and mighty in the things of God. That's why, that's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter, chapter 6, verse 10, be strong what? In the, in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realms. And so you got to put on the whole armor, and you do that through the aid of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk about Holy Ghost prayer after a while. Because some of y'all need some Holy Ghost prayer. Y'all need some Holy Ghost prayer. Get out of your flesh. Get out of your, your mind. Get out of your situation. Get out of your feelings. I don't feel good today. My head hurt. My foot hurt. But if you start praying in the Holy Ghost... Bypass all of that. And so we have to understand weakness. The next thing is that God has a different plan in mind. Second Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about Paul who had a thorn in his flesh. He had a thorn in his flesh. Satan was allowed to put a thorn in his flesh. It came from Satan. And so Satan attacked him with a thorn in the flesh, and he prays, not once, not twice, but three times. He comes to the Lord, and he says, Lord, I don't, I, don't, I don't get this. I asked you to deliver me from this thorn in the flesh, and it seems like you ain't doing nothing. You ain't doing nothing. Hey, has you ever prayed in, in the Lord's ain't doing much of nothing? He letting you go through your thorn in the flesh. He letting you go through your painful experience. And you're saying, oh, my God, I wish you would just deliver me. And the Lord just letting you call on him, call on him, call on him. And he said, he, 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 he not, he, he's, he's not responding the way you want to respond. But he did respond. He said, listen, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That although you have this thorn in the flesh, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Because if you read up at the top of chapter 12, it tells you why he had a thorn in the flesh. And he had a thorn in the flesh because Paul was privileged to go into the third heaven and see revelations. And he had this such a revelation from God that it would cause him to be prideful. And so because he, he, he was at a place where he had all this revelation and, and he was going to be proudful, if prideful, if he really didn't have anything to humble him, the God said, look, I'm going to allow Satan to put this thorn in your flesh, but I'm going to give you grace to handle it. And there are some times when we pray that we have a certain way we want it and God has a whole different plan in mind. Paul would have never accomplished his purpose if he would have been prideful and didn't have that thorn in the flesh. 
Do you know there's certain things that you carry in life that if you didn't carry that, you'd probably be out of the will of God altogether. I, nothing, nothing made sense to me like more, more than this. When I, when I heard Joni Erickson Tata, she spoke. She's a quadriplegic. And you would think that all the time that she served God, that God would actually do a healing in her life, cause her to walk, cause her to just be a normal person. But she recognized that even in her state, she was called to do ministry to people even in her state of suffering. So that she could say to them, you know what, although I am suffering physically, God is still good. And the message of his kindness and his goodness, it it goes beyond even the physical things that you go through. And she wouldn't accomplish her purpose without having that physical difficulty. Perhaps she would never be able to write books. Her testimony wouldn't be her testimony. So sometimes God will have a different plan in mind. So here's what I want to share with you. Perhaps your prayer is not being answered because God has another plan. And rather than you trying to push your plan through, you know how we do. God, you're going to bless this. And God said, that's not my plan. You made that up and want me to bless it. You made that up. You, you put that down and said, this is me. And I said, that, that's not me. But I'm, I'm good enough and I'm gracious enough to get you on the right track. So I'm going to lead you in a different direction. The thing about this is so powerful that you know that God is about to do something even when he doesn't answer your prayer the way you want it. So let's go to the next one. Refusing to humble yourself. Refusing to humble yourself. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, we know that scripture very, very much by heart. The Lord said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and what? Pray, seek, to, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I, the Lord, will heal from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their life. Humility is necessary for answered prayer. Why, why is God trying to answer the prayer of someone who has no desire to humble themselves to what he's saying? He won't answer a prayer. He'll wait until you and I humble ourselves before him so he can give us the answer to prayer. Forsaking God. Oh, my. Forsaking God. Uh, this story, Second Chronicles chapter 15, is about a king called Asa. A-S-A. Asa. The prophet Oded came to him because, you know, he, he had some trouble. The prophet said, look, um, the Lord is with you, note, as long as you are with him. If you forsake God, he's going to forsake you. Now, the New Testament said, the Lord said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. The Lord said, I will be with you. But here's the contingency. Are you with him? This is all about loyalty. This is about loyalty. 
God wants my loyalty. He don't just want to answer my prayer. He wants my loyalty. So, so when it comes to forsaking God, people think that they're going to get a prayer because they get mad at God and walk away. I'm going to show you. And the Lord says, show me what? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like you can't, you, can't, you can't manipulate God who's a father because you run away from home. Because Luke chapter 15 knows, you know what happens about that. The prodigal son, he'll let you run away from home. And then when you get into trouble, you're going to have to turn around, come all the way right back. See, if you forsake God, you're not going to get a prayer answer. Hard-heartedness. Oh, my. Zechariah, the people who heard prophets that came that the Lord sent. The Lord sent his word to them. They were just not trying to hear what the prophetic word was. They, they were basically stonewalling God. Hard-heartedness means you're stonewalling. Have you ever had somebody stonewall you? Sure you have. You're, you're, you're having a discussion with your child. Right? They're hearing you. But they're putting up this barrier, like, speak to the hand. Yeah, I hear you, but, but you know what? I, no. Go ahead, talk. Go ahead, talk. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. Go ahead. God say, okay, you do that to me, I won't answer your prayer. You got to be open. So you say, somebody say open. You got to be open to God. God will wait until your heart is tender before he's answering. He's going to start speaking. Sarah, if you read in the Old Testament, Sarah, when she, when she was going to be a woman of promise, right? She was Abraham and Sarah. The Lord said to her, you are going to bring forth a child. When she heard the message, you know what she did? She stood behind the door and she laughed. You ever read that scripture? She laughed behind the door. And what did the angel say? Okay, I'll wait until you get it together, then I'll come back. Could God be waiting until you get it together to come back? <laughs> that, that's scripture. He, didn't for, he, didn't, he did not force himself. He didn't come down in a lightning flash. He said, the angel said, all right, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Because right now you don't want to hear this at 90 years old. That you're going to have a child. You don't want to hear this. Some of y'all are like, I don't want to hear that either. <laughs> right, Lois? Lois, I don't want to hear that either. But the Lord, the, Lord, the Lord was committed to answer the promise. He, he was committed. He was committed to answer the promise. This, this is my promise for you. But she, she, didn't, she was stonewalling him. So he said, okay, I, I got you. I'll be back. I'll be back. When, you're, when the time is right, I'll be back. Hard-heartedness. Lack of charity for the poor. Lack of charity for the poor. If we mistreat poor people, God's not going to hear your prayer. Oh. Proverbs 21, 13. He says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor, I will also, shut, I will also cry out. They will also cry out and, and not be answered. That means that if I'm crying out to God and I mistreat poor people, I will not be heard. 
Be careful how you treat poor people. Because God, God, is, God is for the poor. He is. He is. We need, we need to make sure we treat the poor with dignity. Don't, don't be shunning them like that. They're people. Amen. They're people. And truth be told, well, some of us only one check, paycheck. You just one paycheck. Right? All it takes is a bird flu or something to come around and you close, that, close your plant down and they're done. Stroke of a pen, we can all be on the street. I mean, all of us can be on the street. So you, you just got to say, you know what, they're, but for the grace of God, go I. They're people. And they're not just people who are beggars and just trifling. Some of them are very smart people. I met some people who are very, very intelligent, articulate, but they come on some hard times. They really are having some hard times. And so we need to be very uh, generous and compassionate to the poor. Lest your prayer be hindered. Wow. Iniquity. What does that mean? There's trespasses and sin, but there's also iniquity. Iniquity is a plot to do evil. A plot to do evil. Iniquity, I have, I have a plan to do evil. And I carry out that plan. It's like, it's, it's like David. David committed iniquity. So when he had, when, when he had, relationship with uh, Bathsheba, right? And she got pregnant. He carried out a plot to have her husband killed, put him on the front line. He, he had all the planning in the world to try to figure out how he was going to get out of it. And the prophet came to him and said, listen, man, um, ha, you're the guy who has committed this sin. He told him a parable. And David had to recognize that that was iniquity to plot and plan. So when we plan out stuff that is wrong, God's not going to hear your prayer. It's iniquity. That's iniquity. Psalm 66, verse 18. King James Verse says, "If, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Hear me. But verily God hath heard me. This is what David said. He hath attended to my voice and my prayer. Blessed be the God who hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Next one, wrong motives. If I ask with the wrong motives, he will not honor my prayer. He, he will not honor my prayer. If I'm asking and I have a motive that's not correct, right, Maybe the motive is I'm going to show people how, how, how rich I am because he blessed me. He said, that's wrong motive. Lord, I'm going to be blessed because I'm going to show them. No, you're, you're not going to get prayers answered because it's about you. James says you're asking with the wrong motives. Dishonoring your spouse particularly your wife, First Peter 3 and 7. One incentive to treat my wife really good, because when I put my knees on the floor and I bow down before God to pray, I don't want him to say, who are you and what? what? 
You mistreated my daughter. I ain't trying to listen to you. It's quiet in here. Is it quiet? See, 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 ladies, you got you you got you got a bullet in the gun today. <laughs> you got a bullet in the gun today. You, you can say, look, you don't want to be messing with this because Big Daddy gonna get you. <laughs> no, just lady, that's what it says. It says that you know how to deal with your wife, deal with your, your wife because you know. Lest your prayers be hindered. That's the word. Isn't that the word? the word? First Peter 3 and 7. I had one brother, he was mad at that word. <laughs> he was mad at that word. I mean, he was hostile with that. He said, I don't know why God won't. I said, I don't, I don't know why either, but that's what it says. <laughs> I, I just said, you know what? You have to take that up with him. <laughs> Finds a good thing in favor of the Lord. So you need to just treat your, treat your spouse, treat your wife nice, make sure she's happy. You, you know, I know they say happy, li- happy wife, happy life, but happy wife, happy God. God is happy when my wife's happy. Oh, hallelujah. So I go in there and say, I treat my wife, guys, you know, Lord, I can run. The Lord said, yes, right. I'm going to bless you. Unbelief. Unbelief. I'm going fast. Unbelief. Unbelief. That's the next slide. Unbelief. Um, so that I have to have faith. I have to have faith when I pray. Please, please note that when you pray, believe God. Believe God. Believe that he's able to do it. Believe that he's able to accomplish. Believe that he's willing to do it. That faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things that you don't see. So you can't pray like, well, you know, maybe God. You need to come in and say, Lord, I believe that you can. I believe that you will. According to your word. Sin, Isaiah 59.2. That simply blocks my ability to get an answer from God. So it says that your sins have made God turn his face from you so that he does not hear your prayers. That's in the Passion Version. That, that, that sin causes God to turn from me. I don't, it, it, imagine that you're talking with someone and all of a sudden in the conversation they turn their back from you. Right? So, so we need to understand that God turns his back. We can see it on the cross. The reason why... The Lord cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because as he bore the sin of human, of human experience, God had to turn his back because he didn't want to see it. It was, so, it was so horrendous and so detestable. Have you ever seen something that was so bad you just had to cover your eyes? God turns his back. He turned his back. That's why sin... We have to deal with our sins. Ooh. I said we have to ask forgiveness for our sins. Every day. I didn't sin today. You wash your hands. and supposed to every day. Like We're really cleaning up now because of a virus, aren't we? <laughs> Ooh, we're really conscious about cleaning things up. And just like we're conscious about cleaning things up and we don't want things to spread, spiritually, that's what you need to do too. Because you know what? 
We spread some spiritual stuff, some bacteria, some toxic stuff, toxic spirit, toxic attitude. You don't hear what I'm talking about. You know, you come in and, you know, your day is off. So you come into a situation and you talk to your spouse and all of a sudden the whole atmosphere changes. I can't get a witness in the building. You come into a meeting and say, well, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? It's that toxic spirit, that thing that's working in you that you got to say, I got to get that cleaned out. I got to get that cleaned out. You know, that meanness. There's some Christians who are just mean. They're mean people, just mean people. And they got to get that stuff cleaned out. Why are you so mean? The Lord, the Lord is your strength. Smile. You woke up today. You're healthy. You're strong. You can see. You got, you got a job. I know you don't like it all the time, but, but you're getting some paycheck, right? You're getting a little money. You, you can go to the store and you can shop. and You can and, you got to clean that. Clean, just, just get some soap in the Holy Ghost and clean that. Clean it up. Because there's a whole lot of people that have less than we have. Harder hardships than we have, and they're still rejoicing in God. Vain repetitions, saying the same thing over and over again. God is not a God who's going to answer your prayer if all you do is just repeat stuff. Because you're going to say, we're going to talk about this again? You're just reciting stuff? He wants to hear you talk. He wants to hear your prayer. He wants to hear your heart. Okay? We're rolling. Unforgiveness. We all know that. If I don't forgive people from my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. In fact, he said, when you're praying, if, you, uh, if you're praying, and I don't know if this happened to you, you're praying, and all of a sudden, someone flashes in front of your face. That you are in conflict with. And you say, well, I bind the devil. That's the devil. I know that's the devil. And the Lord said, ain't the devil. He said, here's what you're supposed to do. Get up from your praying. You go to the person. You work your stuff out. And then you go back and present your gift to God. That's what he said. That's what the word says. That's what the word says. You, now, now, what we do is different from what the word says. We try to rebuke whatever we see and call it the devil, and we're not getting a present, and God is saying, you can rebuke it all day long. You're not getting the answer to prayer because you have unforgiveness in your heart. So the benefit for me is that I learn how to forgive so that I'm free and open for the answer from God. Can you say amen to that? Hypocrisy. Oh, my Lord. I made sure. Should I skip that one? I think I skipped it. No, I didn't skip it. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means that you wear a mask. In the old, in the old, in in the, the times that was written, a hypocrite is an actor. That's really what it is. Like you, don't, you don't necessarily believe that when you look on television, you see movies and you see all different types of film, that the person is really like that. They are actors. They're actresses. They are performing. So that if you are a... Oh, I don't want to say this. If you are a church actor... 
You know what a church actor is? They act one way at church. And, and there's somebody else. And you go, who is that? You, you're not going to get no answers to prayer. Because the religious, and this is, this is the thing that you want to hear. The people who are most hypocritical are the religious people. That's what he's talking about. The religious people were so hypocritical. They knew how to play the game in church. But when they got out of church, when they have, are in the world, you can't tell the difference. I ain't saying no more. All right. <clears throat> Being discouraged. Luke chapter 18. Discouragement will rob you from answer prayer. Luke 18, Jesus says, men are always to pray and not faint. One translation is, you don't give up. You don't give up. Say this with me. I'm not going to give up. We, we, we have a quitting spirit in the church today. We don't like it, we quit. We having a hard time, we quit. We, we throw in the towel. He says, listen, um, when you're praying, it may not come easy, but you don't quit. And Jesus talks about a woman who was, who was before an unjust judge. And uh, she was trying to get, a, you know, avenger of the adversary. And, and, and he wouldn't do it because he didn't care about her or her God. He didn't care about anything. But she kept coming. Somebody said, you got to keep coming. You got to keep coming. She kept coming. She kept coming. To the point we say, look, I'm, this woman keeps coming every day. She bothered me about the same thing. Let me just give her a request. And Jesus said, now listen, here's the contrast. Jesus said, I'm not like the unjust judge, but if this woman can wear this guy down, how much more am I a God who is willing to give you whatever you ask for if you would just come forth and ask? God is not unjust, but he does want you and he does want me to push beyond and overcome discouragement. Some of us this year, your overcoming is that you've got to overcome discouragement. It didn't happen the way you want. It does not happen in the way you want. You've got to overcome discouragement. Amen. Doubting. Doubting. Do you, know, do you believe that God can do it? I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't think so. Um, do you believe that God? No, he ain't going to do that for me. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Is, am, I in, am I in the book? It's an axe. The reason why, when Cornelius was praying, the Lord was working in the Gentiles. He's a Gentile. He has no kind of, as it were, say, rights to be praying the way he's praying. And also God's talking to Peter. Peter now gets a message to go to Cornelius. And when the God begins to do a work among the Gentiles, he realizes that, you know what? God is no respecter of persons. So that just like any one of us or people that you think are so great and spiritual that get their prayers answered and give you tests, why can't God do that for you? Does he change up because of you? Because it's you? No, no. He, he, he doesn't look at so well, you a woman. I, I can't bless you. 
or you or you you a brother who's of this age group. I can't bless you. Or you don't have a turnaround collar. And the devil has run rampant on God's people because they're doubting. They're doubting. You have more faith to believe for other people than you do for yourself. You said it before. Oh, my brother, let's pray. I believe God's going to do it for you. Well, when you're in a situation, do you believe God's going to do it for you? You have more faith for other people than you do for yourself. Could I get a witness in the building? And being double-minded, when you're coming before God, are you confused of what you really want? Are you confused with what you really want? What do you really want? If I went around the room and said, okay, what do you really want from God? Well, you know, last week I wanted, I'm not too sure what I want from God. Well, how are you going to get prayer answered? You don't even know what you want. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive those things and you'll have it. Right, when my children are young, we're eating at the table, and they and I, and I said, use your words to tell us exactly what you want. Do not groan and point at the cranberry sauce, especially when you can talk, because I don't know what you're trying to say. Fork? No. Rice? No. Tell me what you want. Tell God what you want. Tell God. Maybe you're against the because you don't really want nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you got everything that you ever wanted. Maybe you have everything that you need, but I don't. I want some things from God. So I'm asking him specifically for what I want from him. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the climax. And we're done. This laundry list of things that, quote, unquote, can be troubleshooting for answered prayer, can wear you down, right? Because by the time you work through this laundry list, you don't even want to pray for nothing. <laughs> You're like, forget it. Just, just, just be done. So, so, so how do I approach this? I, I, had a, I had a situation where my internet was not working, and, my, and I just trying to figure out myself, trying to fix it. And um, finally, I just gave up, and I said, I, don't, I, I, I can't figure out what it is. So I called Verizon. I said, okay, um, this is the situation. I'm not getting any signal. And and the lady says, "Um, go to your box. Go to your box, and I want you to hit this button. I'm saying, okay, what does the box look like? She said, your box is in your basement. Probably in your basement. I run down the basement, and I'm looking around. I said, "What, what does it look like? Oh, the box is white. I'm looking around. I don't see no box that's white. I, I, I think I'm hallucinating. So I go, and I, I have her on the phone. She, I said, there's no box. Could you please send a man out here? So they find, she finally said, okay, I'll send a man out here, but I'm going to let you know it's going to cost you probably $100. I said, well, I got a choice. I can pay my $100, or I can still be walking around in the basement Trying to, find, trying to find a box. He gets there. The guy gets there and said, okay, I see, see the problem. I said, the lady's talking about a box. Are you tell me what the box is? 
where the box is? He said, sure, the box is right here. It's right under your TV. I said, the box was under my nose all the time, and I didn't know it. I'm running around outside, inside, trying to find the box. He said, yeah. He said, the problem is, you didn't know what you were looking for. Oh, God help me in this house. Do you hear what I'm saying in here? The very thing that you, that you were, needed to fix was right under your nose. Oh, my God have mercy. But because you don't know what to search for, oh, hallelujah. You don't, you don't know what to look for. You can't fix the problem. So what am I saying? The, the, the reason why you don't want to necessarily go through all this laundry list and say, God, why am I getting, I get my prayer in? Because you want to pray this. This is in Psalm 139. Can I say this with you? Psalm 139, it says these words. Verse 23. It says, in the, in the, in the, the Passion Translation, it says, God, I invite your searching Gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through and find out everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. Everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through my anxious care. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. And see my thoughts and test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see, Lord, if there's any way or offensive way in me, and lead me to the way of El- what, what I'm saying. You don't know what that list of problems you may have. That's why you have to let God search you. I don't know why my prayer is not getting it. I could be unforgiveness, but I don't know unless I ask God to search me. God has a way of revealing to us what the trouble is. You're trying to figure out the trouble. It's right under your nose, but you can't see it until you got the man. Until the man comes and says, oh, here's your problem. And once he saw the box there, he actually fixed the issue. TV working, everything's working. And I said, my God. <laughs> but here's the good news. He didn't charge me $100. No, he said, he said because, first of all, the lady told you to look for something that wasn't there. And see, if you're not careful, somebody will tell you things that's not even there. You say, oh, yeah, that's my problem. I went to, the, I went to this one, and they told me what my problem was. And the Lord said, that ain't your problem. <laughs> that's not your problem. I'm just having headaches. I don't know what it is of stress. That's not, the headache is not your problem. Unforgiveness is your problem. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying? And just like a searching, just like a, 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 a Norton's virus protection in a computer, what that thing does, when you put a, a virus, a system to, to actually search or malware that's in there, you can have a whole bunch of stuff going on with your computer, but until you put something that will search it out, you might think it's just, oh, I just need to reboot it. You don't just need a reboot. You need to get that thing out of there. And you can't figure it out by typing your keys. You've got to get something that reveals what's there and gets the stuff out. That's why I'm thanking God for blessing generation, because it gets the stuff out. It gets the stuff out. 
so that you understand that, look, once I get that stuff out, then I'm free to receive more from God. So this morning, while it's only 11.15, praise God, I, I want you to do this with me. I want you to ask God to search you. I want, I want you to put, put yourself in a position where God has an opportunity to search you. Search, searching takes some time because when you have a search engine rolling, you can't do a whole lot of typing and functionality with that stuff. You've got you to gotta let it do its work. See, and for many of us, We've been asking God for a lot of things, but we've never asked God to really search our hearts. And what is he searching for? He's he's searching for stuff that's blocking the prayer. Perhaps it's unforgiveness. Perhaps it's the way you treat your spouse. Perhaps it's, and I can go through my list. Perhaps it's weakness. Perhaps it's, I don't have, I have unbelief. I doubt. All these things will be happening, but the Lord said, let me just search you. And I'll tell you what it is. You ready to do some troubleshooting? Hallelujah. 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 Well, just for a moment, I just want you to just sit and close your eyes for a moment. And just begin to allow the Lord to talk to you. Spirit of the living God, begin to just search our hearts. Father, our anxious thoughts may be running. We may have a lot of things going on in our lives right now. But yet right now, God, we just sit for a moment to hear what your spirit is saying to our anxious thoughts. Search us, Lord. Search us.
No other, the Lord is, is talking to you. I want you to either take your phone or take a, a writing instrument, and I want you to write down what he's, what is he talking about? What is, what is he, ta- what did he mention? Maybe it's a word that he just said. Maybe it's a word, maybe it's about weakness. Maybe about lack of faith. Maybe it's about sin. But what is he what is he saying? What is he saying? What is he saying? Would you, would you take your, whatever you wrote it on, was a piece of paper or a card or phone, and um, if you wrote down something, would you, and maybe you didn't write down anything, that's okay. Would you, would you stand and let's pray over that? If you wrote down something, would you stand? If, whatever you wrote down, whatever, whatever the Lord is saying to you, because God wants your prayers answered. He wants to answer your prayers. I just led you, if if you're not aware of what I just did, I am just led you in a, a time of listening because prayer is also listening. It's not just me talking. It's I'm listening to him. Just take what you have and just, just as you would present it before God, present it before the Father. Take that to the Father. Father, we are, we're in a season, Lord, where we are in a 40-day Lenten season of prayer. 
Lord, we, we have prayers that we want answered. We, we need you to answer these prayers. And Father, as we lift up our, the words, Lord, that you have searched our hearts on, Lord, we just pray, Lord, whether it's sin, unforgiveness, Lord, we, we pray that we would do what we must do, Lord, to fix the problem so we can get the answer. So, Lord, help us to always search, ask you to search our hearts. Because, quite frankly, we don't really know what's in our hearts. We don't really know. You said that the heart is deceitful and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, Father, unless you search our hearts, we really don't know what's in there. So, Father, I pray that you will constantly remind us that while these things can exist to block prayer, we won't know it unless we allow you to search our hearts. So thank you, Father, even just today, the moment we can just sit for a moment and listen to you. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to be moving us, Lord, in so many dimensions of answered prayer, Lord. We're not going to be able to keep up with the testimonies of how you blessed because we're willing to troubleshoot. We're willing, Lord, to let you come in to tell us the problem was under our nose all the time. So thank you. Thank you, God. Would you just begin to thank him right where you are? Just, just, just thank him. Thank him for answering prayer. Just thank him for answering prayer. Just thank him. Just thank him for answering prayer. Whether it's a financial need, just thank him for answering the prayer for financial need. Thank him for answering the prayer for your children. Thank him for opening the doors. Thank you. Thank him for giving you favor. Thank him for healing your body. Thank, whatever that is, just already just thank him for it. Just, just thank him. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I bless your name for doing great things in my life, Lord. I thank you. Thank you for your protection, Lord. Even if we walk in dangerous places, Lord, Lord, we are walking around and don't know if the flu is around us or next to us or in front of us. But, Lord, we have come this week and we can say, Lord, to God be the glory. God, you healed us. God, you kept us from being sick. God, you're keeping us day by day. We, we have a right to praise you. Keeping our children, keeping our families, Lord, protecting us, shielding us from dangers and accidents and seeing and things that we don't see, Lord. Those, that's the goodness of the Father. That's the goodness of God. So, Lord, we, we thank you for effectual answers to our prayer. We praise your name and give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We're going to have Brother Ron. He's going to come back and going to do a little worship, and then we're going to just. Amen. Thank you for that word, Bishop. You may be seated.